Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, goals, failure, and Tom's. But when it comes to actually implementing these possibilities, to fulfilling our wishes, then these positive fantasies and daydreams are a problem. You need to let them come up with the obstacle of reality that stands in the way. And we did so many studies showing that this exercise helps people set priorities, set preferences, and achieve. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe, leave us a rating or a review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much for all of your support. So our first guest is a psychologist who specifically studies goals and motivation, why we set goals, why we fail to achieve them, and how we can stay motivated. She's also developed a unique method to help people achieve their goals called WHOOP, Wish, Outcome, Obstacle, Plan. This is Dr. Gabrielle Otingen. I'll jump right into it. Why do I consistently fail at my goals? Actually, there are many reasons. Um, but one reason is that we tend to positively fantasize about the success of reaching the goal. And that lures us into feeling already there. And then we don't do anything anymore. So like if I want to lose weight, I think about like, man, all right, what am I going to look like when I lose 10 pounds? And then I've basically already achieved it in my mind, so my brain gives up. Well, in a short sentence, that's what sometimes happens and often happens. Because in my brain, in my mind, I already achieved it. But why would we do that, though? Why would we kind of defeat ourselves, I guess? First of all, we have all learned that positive thinking is the way to be happy, no? And we think, okay, we just need to think positively and then we might actually be successful. And in a way, that might be true. So positive fantasies and daydreams about the future, they're pleasant. So no wonder that our mood improves if we have these positive fantasies and daydreams about achieving our wishes. And also, these positive fantasies and daydreams are good because we can explore all the possibilities of the future. 
But when it comes to actually implementing these possibilities, to fulfilling our wishes, then these positive fantasies and daydreams are a problem. So we find, for example, the more positively people enrolled in a weight reduction program fantasize about the success in the program, the less pounds they shed, or take university graduates, the more positively they fantasized about an easy transition into work life. The fewer dollars they earned two years later and the fewer job offers they had gotten. Take students. The more positively they think and fantasize about doing well in school, the worse their grades. And even in interpersonal relationships, the more positively students fantasize about getting together with their crushy, with the person they have a crush on, the less likely it is that they actually get into a romantic relationship. But just it, yeah, why is that? That's what we asked ourselves too when we got all these data. And what we found is that the people in the positive fantasy group who have been induced these positive fantasies about the future, that they actually felt already accomplished. They're already there in their mind. The fantasies are so strong and vivid that you already feel accomplished. And what happens then? You relax. So the blood pressure goes down and people report less energy for the wish fulfillment. And that then translates into actual less behavior, less effort, and less success. I feel like kind of exercise, maybe not, at least in my mind, it's like the easiest one to kind of quantify, right? So let's say my dream is to lose weight. I work out four times a week. But then I start positively thinking about like, oh, I'm going to lose weight. Then suddenly, oh, I am losing weight in my mind. Now I'm working out three times a week. Now I'm working out two times a week. But can you still have those positive thoughts about it and still continue to do what you were doing to get there in the first place, right? Like does the positive, does thinking positively in and of itself automatically kind of like crush the dream, so to speak? Or can you think positively about it but continue to do exactly what you were doing and then still move forward? That's exactly what we asked ourselves too. We said, why do we have these positive fantasies and daydreams? Maybe we only need to think negatively, everything is fine. But that's not the solution either, because these positive fantasies and daydreams, they are very important. Why are they important? Because as we showed, they are an expression of our needs. They are an expression of what we don't have. So these wishes come in our mind as a sign that we don't have certain things. And that gives action the direction. So what do we do in order to show that these positive fantasies and daydreams are an expression of our needs? For example, we did a study where we invited people to come into the lab and we asked them not to drink any liquids four hours before the experiment. And then 
we fed them a lot of salty pretzels. So they were really, really thirsty. One group were kept thirsty. The other group were given a lot of really good fresh water so they could quench their thirst. And then we simply measured the positivity of their fantasies about the future. And surely the people who were thirsty had positive thoughts about going to the water fountain, drinking water, enjoying the water. The people in the control group who were not thirsty anymore, they didn't have these kinds of thoughts. They had thoughts, positive fantasies and daydreams about all sorts of things. And you can do the same study with psychological needs. So you deprive people of meaning. They suddenly positively fantasize about getting a more meaningful job. Or think about the pandemic. We deprive people of interpersonal relationships. They positively fantasize about getting together with their family and friends. So these positive fantasies and daydreams are very important. They are an expression of our needs. And therefore, as I said before, they give action the direction. So we cannot just sort of say, you know, relinquish them. But the problem is that they sap our energy to actually realize these positive fantasies and dreams. Now, if they sap our energy, then the question is, and that's what we asked, what can you do so that the people with these positive fantasies get enough energy to follow through, to put in the effort, and to actually get to wish fulfillment? And then we reasoned, what do you need to do? You need to give them a healthy dose of reality. Meaning, you need to let them come up with the obstacle of reality that stands in the way of fulfilling your wishes and enjoying the wishes outcome. And by facing the obstacle, by looking the obstacle in the eye, you will understand what you need to do in order to surmount that obstacle. And that's important. You need to mentally contrast the positive desired future with the obstacle in myself that might stop me that might impede that I really go and fulfill my wishes. And this mental contrasting is the way to get the energy to overcome that obstacle. And then you have an integrated solution that you can only find if you really identify what is it that it is in you, in the way, is, it, is that an easier said than done thing for a lot of people, though? So it takes mental effort. But it takes only five minutes of mental effort to actually switch from the positive fantasies to the obstacle of reality that is in my way. And that's what we kind of phrased for 
using it every day as wish, identify a wish that is dear to my heart, but that is also feasible for me, but challenging. Outcome. Imagine the outcome. Then you imagine the outcome. You imagine the best in the future. And then instead of going ahead on indulging in the positive future, you switch gears and you say, actually, what is it in me that hinders me of tackling that wish and experiencing that outcome? What is it in me? What stops me? Very often you will suddenly discover, oh, this is what I could do to overcome whatever it is, my anxiety, my resentment, my tiredness. And by imagining that obstacle and discovering the behavior that you can do in order to overcome that obstacle, you are now much better equipped to actually go for the wish and actually act on it. So this mental contrasting, or what we call whoop, wish, outcome, obstacle, and then the plan, and I will talk about the plan in a second, that exercise will actually help you to set priorities. So to go for some wishes, but to let go from others. So you're relieved. And now you imagine the behavior to overcome obstacles again. And that's then the P. So the whole thing is a whoop. Wish, outcome, obstacle, plan. I feel motivated. <laughs> <laughs> where do people, though, in that method, where do they generally kind of like, all right, this is where they usually fail. This is where they usually not realize that it's too big, not realize that it's not what they really want. What part of the, the whoop method are you usually see people kind of get bogged down in? What they are bogged down is if they don't take these five minutes for themselves. Right? It's amazing when you actually stop and kind of think. You realize that like, oh, maybe I'm really not doing this. Maybe I really don't want this thing that I thought that I wanted. When you kind of exactly. look at motivation and goal setting and goal achievement in people, are there certain types of personalities or people or backgrounds or locations, genders, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that seem to be better at it than others? Actually, we never found um, big differences in, you know, whatever you have demographic variables or, um, you know, in age doesn't make a difference. So as long as you fill in your wish and not have other people tell you what your wish is, you're good. I think what people sometimes mistakenly do Parents tell the children what their wishes are. Or bosses tell the employees what their wishes are. No. Ask people. Listen. And then 
once people understand how they get in touch with their own wishes, they already have done the first step. You know, it seems basic in the sense that, right, like control what you can control, be be realistic and set achievable goals, but keep making them harder. But yet it's so difficult at the same time. Yes, because we never really look at the obstacles. And because we have learned that look, negative thinking, uh-uh, should go out of the window. And the interesting thing is, if you really look at woe and mental contrasting, if you only think positively, no behavior change. If you only think about the obstacles, no behavior change. If you think about the obstacles first and then about the positive future, no behavior change. It is actually the specific mental exercise with the imagery, because if you don't have the imagery, no behavior change. It is the specific exercise of understanding what is my wish, feasible but challenging, identifying the outcome and imagining the outcome, and then going for the inner obstacle. What is it in me? Because what the obstacle in me, I can control. My boss, I cannot. And we did so many studies showing that this exercise helps people set priorities, set preferences, and achieve the wishes by overcoming the obstacles. But on the other side, also letting go from wishes, which just sort of take the energy. What do you think of those kind of like society seems to, at least to me, have shifted more into like, well, let's just think positive about everything. And that's how you get started. It zaps the energy of actually going on that way. And actually we find that um, these positive fantasies and daydreams for the moment, they're linked to lower depression for the moment. But on the long run, you're getting more depressed. And why do you get more depressed? Because you invested less effort and then eventually you had less success. So it is dangerous. It is dangerous to be indulging in these positive fantasies and daydreams and just sort of getting disconnected of reality. And then we think for other people, the positive thinking works, but for us it doesn't. And that's not a good thing, because then we attribute the failure to only us. And that's dangerous. Are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions? Sure. So this one just says, why am I sometimes on the struggle bus and other times on a tear? And I think what they mean by that is like, why are there some days where, man, I'm just getting stuff done, left and right, knocking stuff out. And then other days, man, I can't get out of bed. You know, like I, nothing seems to work. Why do we seem to go through phases where like doing everything, doing nothing? Sometimes reality is less bumpy than other times. That lies in the nature of just randomness. Sometimes our physiology, our context, our life 
is influencing us into more energy. So we feel we have more energy. We get things done. And these things happen very often random. But we are certainly noticing when it's not getting good, we, not, we tend to notice that more. When things go really well, we think, ah, we often take it for granted. When things go bad, we often say, oh. But what I would say to the people who sort of suffer from, sometimes it, it doesn't go well, just do a whoop for the day. Say, what do I really want? Okay, things didn't work out today. What do I want? When, when you look at kind of procrastination, right? Like what's the, usually the reason why people are procrastinating about something? Procrastination is one of the most interesting phenomena. It, it can be because they actually get benefits out of it. It can be anxiety. It can be that they have some beliefs that procrastination is linked to being super good when pressure builds up. It can be that people want to get into flow because once you have real high pressure, you don't think anymore. So there are many, many reasons. And what WHOOP does is it helps you to understand what you really want. Yeah, that's what I would be worried about, right? That you come to some dangerous, not dangerous, but like crushing self-discovery. <laughs> like I've wasted my life or something like that. Right? No, because it's not evaluative. It's when you understand what the obstacle is in the way, you accept the reality, but you will always have the possibility of acting within the reality. So it's not evaluative, and that's the reason why it is not crushing. Um, so, like, when when you kind of break down the statistics of how people approach things, who does what? Like, what percentage of people hit the obstacle first? How does that all work? Right. Most people just go on indulging on the positive future. It's the most pleasant one. Some people go on the obstacles only. And some people start with the obstacle and then go to the future. And all these don't do anything in terms of behavior change. Now, if we look at who is doing spontaneous mental contrast, it's only about between 10 and maybe 20, 25%, depending on the study. And that's really interesting because that means that we need to do interventions. We need to learn it. We need to learn it as a skill if we want to benefit from setting priorities, and fulfilling our wishes. 
So it seems it's not the default that we do mental contrasting. The default is that people just sort of positively fantasize about the future. Now, when you give people a specific task, then mental contrasting goes a little higher, but not much. So we do it a little or more people do it when they get a very concrete task to solve an exam or math task or things like that. But still, the proportion of people who do mental contrasting is very low. Probably why we fail so much at yes, our goal. Absolutely. That's true. That's exactly right. That's the reason. That's pretty much all the questions that we have. Is there anything that you think we missed or what's kind of coming up next for you? Practice, practice, practice. Do it every day at a certain point in time. Then it will help you to really put the stress down because by setting these priorities, you are much less loaded. You are much less kind of irritated and busy and play with it and always think it's not evaluative. You should not evaluate yourself. You look out in the world. What is my wish for the world? And that's fun. And enjoy whooping because it's not only the process, the imagery process, which is a discovery tour, but the consequences too. And you will see, you will discover a lot of new things in the world. I want to thank Dr. Otingian so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And we've also included her information as well as some links where you can learn more about Whoop in the episode description. I've also put in the episode description another episode that we did that's similar where we talked to a boredom researcher and he had some great insight that really backs up what she's been talking about, about, okay, this is why you start to lose focus and this is how you can correct it and get back to achieving the things that you want to do. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. Now let's bring in John Shaw and get to the pointless part of the show. Are you a daydreamer? No. <laughs> Not at all? Like when you start out a new project or you say, I'm going to accomplish this or you get a new opportunity, you don't daydream about possible success? No, I don't daydream at all, actually. I don't nap. I don't daydream. I don't do any of that. You know what I do during the day? I'm awake and I get shit done. Do you, you're not entirely sure what daydream means, are you? I have no idea. I don't daydream either, though, now that I think about it. I think I don't daydream because I just don't stop long enough to 
think of things. That that sounds really terrible to say out loud, but I think a lot of people don't really stop. How how often do you would you say that you stop and think about what it is that you're actually doing and what you want to be doing? Multiple times a day, but not during the day, if that makes sense. Mm, kind of. Like when you're going through the motions of life, I'm not thinking about what I want life to be. I'm not thinking about becoming a boss. I'm just doing my my life. Like I'm not stopping to think about those things until either I'm six edibles in, 12 beers in, you know, or sleeping, something like that. Would you say that you have accomplished any of your life goals? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I'm finding myself reaching for other things, so I think I've uh, achieved some goals. I never was one of those. Were you one of those? So I knew people growing up that kind of like imagined how their life would be. I never really thought about what my life would be like. I never imagined it in any kind of a circumstances, mostly because I was always just more like whatever is going to happen is going to happen. So I never had like a life plan. Did you have a life plan? Not a life plan. I had an idea of where I wanted to be professionally in terms of being a manager uh, you know, certain money goals, but in terms of a life plan, no. I I mean, when I hit 25, I didn't even think I'd ever get married. I thought it was over. I thought I was going to be a, a loner for the rest of my life. I mean, that's a little early. Like, you're only 25. Exactly. But then you look back, right, and you're like, man, 25, that's that's young in today's today's world in terms of meeting somebody. Yeah, that is kind of weird, right? How you don't realize how young certain ages are. But I also think that you don't realize how old certain ages are. Are you drinking a Mountain Dew right now? Uh, you saw that? I thought your eyes were pointed up. <laughs> no, I saw that. Are you drinking Diet Mountain Dew? That's like, you can't have Mountain Dew past the age of 30. You can't, I don't even think it's legal to like have a Mountain Dew you know, past you know, the age I, of 30. Unless you're in parts of the South where it's like a culture. I'm not supposed to have Mountain Dew. So I, I get my fix by having one diet Mountain Dew every now and then. Can you tell the story of how you're not allowed physically to have Mountain Dew? Or do, can I just sum it up as basically you had to get kidney stones or whatever because you had so many Mountain Dews at the age of 20? As a junior in college. Do you have to sneak it from your wife? Do you have to hide the Mountain Dew? I wouldn't say sneak it, but uh, it's it's in my basement refrigerator, and this is where I'm recording currently. So I came down here, saw it in the fridge. It was either that or a beer, and I said, oh, Diet Mountain Dew seems, seems plentiful tonight. But will she buy it for you? Yeah, she won't actually even go down the pop aisle. So you are sneaking Mountain Dews in your basement. I mean, does she know I'm having one right now? No. But does she care? Probably not. Well, if she's not buying it for you, I think that she cares. I think that you're living in denial right now. You're hiding Mountain Dews from your family. This is how it starts. This is how addiction begins. I've given myself kidney stones. Not just one. Kidney stones because of Mountain Dew. I think I... Or alcohol. Or a combination of both. I don't... I'm not really entirely sure, but... It's good. It's it's the, my favorite pop by far. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's move on before you get caught. Thank you. 
Uh, all right, let's give some shout outs, shall we? Some outs. outs. We'll start with uh, Connor Nunichuk or Ninichuk. I think it's Ninichuk. Uh, Austin Stewart, Chris Cowan, John Ryan, Jerry Pitts, Larry Mellon, John Lindley, Marissa Machado, some nice alliteration, Bradley Wilburn, and I'm going to end on uh, a name that I saw and I realized I actually like this this uh, this first name, and it's Stetson Morris. I like Stetson. You can't have a lot of them, but you can have some Stetsons, right? Every yeah. once in a while, a Stetson's not going to be a bad name, but you don't want to have a lot of Stetsons. Uh, I have a shout-out. Shout-out to Ben from Wales. I posted something on Instagram about this amazing pancake that I make. Pancake. I don't know why I said it like that, but I make this yeah, amazing pancake. I'm glad pancake. you brought this up. Go ahead. Go ahead and give a shout-out to Ben, and then I'm going to ruin it. No. I'm. Uh, why would you ruin Ben's shout-out? Ben liked the pancake. He said, that looks like a good pancake. I like the show. And I said, thanks, Ben. It is a good pancake. We talked a little bit about pancake recipes. Seems to be a fellow pancake brother. And he lives in Wales. Do you know where Wales is? Absolutely. Where? Part of the United Kingdom. Okay, but where in the United Kingdom, right? Because I know of Wales. I know Wales is part of the United Kingdom, but I don't actually entirely know where it is. It gets lost in the Scotland... Ireland, like which one of those is actually Wales? That I'm not entirely sure. Well, I believe it's north of, it's north, obviously. I think it's more or less connected to Scotland. I guess that's a good point. I'm not entirely sure geographically within the UK where it is. Oh, it's basically never eat shredded wheat west of England. In between Ireland and England. That's where Wales is. So is it its own country? How old Wales are is you? a country. Never oh, eat shredded wheat. What the Never yes, eat shredded wheat. North, south, east, west. Never eat shredded wheat. That's how I learned it. How did you learn it? Yeah. Uh I just learned cardinal directions the way they were meant to be learned. Oh please. I guarantee you can't point out which way north is right now. Sure I can. It Which doesn't way? matter because I wouldn't be I, able to tell. I mean, you could essentially yeah. point any direction. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I know of Wales because of soccer. So, oh, okay. I believe there's also a princess of Wales, but I don't can never remember exactly who that is. Anyway, shout out to Ben from Wales. Let us know. Let us know more about Wales. I got a couple of uh, bangers for you. All right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, say you have a snow day, and this is because we just had a snow day. Uh, what kind of snow day person are you? Are you going to go out and enjoy it? Or are you going to stay in and just uh, you know do nothing all day? Are you going to go out, build a fort, have a snowball fight? Or are you just going to stay in and stay out of the cold and hang out with your family? I'm going to go outside. Fuck yeah, First thing you I'm are. doing, going outside. That, that's not even a question. So... I say this because we just had about a week and a half ago, I don't know, six or seven, eight inches of snow, which I know isn't a lot to a lot of people in some places. But to hear that's a pretty significant snowfall at one time. I think I was the only person out in my neighborhood for a good 12 hours that I yeah, saw. Yeah, but does anybody else in the neighborhood have kids? 
Like it'd be yeah. kind of weird if you're like yeah. an adult without children just hanging out there like <laughs> I don't think you can like as an adult, I don't think you can just go sledding by yourself at the local sled hill. Like you're gonna look pretty creepy, right? Like you just can't go to a playground and start playing around on the monkey bars as an adult. People are gonna give you you the cops are gonna probably make an appearance. I wonder what the most awkward, like non intentional place you could be to get the cops called on you as an adult. Like probably like what? At a Chuck E. Cheese or somewhere in the ball pit? Yeah. You definitely <laughs> can't do that. I will say that like my wife is a teacher and my kids go to school next to me. So I walk them to school and walk them back from school because she teaches somewhere else. I get a lot of weird looks. Like if I'm at the playground, it's a little unusual just to have like a man at the playground. People are going to like, people are going to keep around. They're going to look at you a little bit. Are you a, are you a lingerer? Do you linger? No, I mean, I'm running around playing with my kids. Like, if I'm going to be there, there's nothing for me to do at the playground. Like, not going to not go down this slide. So what you're saying is now you're going on the children's equipment, which is, isn't creepy at all. Not if there's other children there. <laughs> other children may be in another part of the playground, and I'll go down the slide with my kids. But if they come over to where my kids are, then I'm going to go ahead and back off and, like, hang out on the bench. So I'm going to make this the second question because I just thought of this after having this experience myself uh, yesterday. Uh, say you biff it at a playground with your children. How do you act when you like just how do you act? Do you get up and brush it off? Do you get all shy and coy or do you get angry? No, I mean, you're at a playground and you fell down. It's not a big deal. Why would you get angry? OK, let me what did tell you, you do? Story. Did you get angry? Let me tell you the story. Um Actually, this would have been two days ago. We were at our local our local park and uh, walking with the kids. Uh, I have one in one hand, one in the other. We're walking. You know, they're holding my hand. The wife's behind us. Um, youngest one is in my right hand. She veers off, starts running. So I like I like kind of make a quick quick movement. Didn't see the rock along the side of the road and just fucking biffed it. Well. Here's here's the here's the key part of the story. It it was basically to the entrance of the park. So there was probably twenty people who saw this. Well, I, I kind of lost track of of my surroundings, and I might have yelled a couple of obscenities. <laughs> and uh, my wife got really angry. Um, and uh, yeah, that that was pretty much it. I had to. We had to. Like, it's funny when you make a scene like that. How quickly you're labeled by the other parents uh, as appropriately as so, right? Yeah, like you're an adult not who's screaming it. You're an adult. How many? What did you, did you drop a bomb, bunch of f bombs? That was the beginning. That was that was probably you know. I mean, because I, I biffed. I mean, when I tripped, like I, I lost balance. Like I fell. I tried catching myself, but I like I don't even know what happened. I didn't catch myself, and I landed on my my right elbow. And I just let out like a motherfucker, fuck this shit. And then I got up and I'm, I'm like, I had a little hole in my jeans that I just bought. So I was like, this is fucking bullshit. Fucking, I didn't want to come to this goddamn park. And then I look up and then there's, you know, there's the hero dad who's looking at me at this point, right? And he's like, yep, I'm the hero dad. That guy's making an asshole out of himself. So 
Yeah, everybody at that park sounds like they had the exact appropriate reaction. Listen, I'm not proud of it. I didn't. I I I, I actually felt legitimately bad five minutes after. Did you then continue on to the park? Did you like? Yeah, I mean, I, we were literally twenty steps away from you know from the playground. Like that's what my wow. youngest one was kind of darting towards. She kept going. By the way, she didn't even stop. When I started yelling, she knows better. So well, I mean, first of all, it's your responsibility to care for her, not her responsibility to care for you. You are well, the adult in this situation, and quite frankly, you're pretty much completely wrong on every single level. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, listen, I know I was wrong. I felt did not feel like a very good person that entire night. And it was Saturday night, of course, or Saturday afternoon, so. Kind did you like, try to smooth? Did you try to smooth it over with the parents who were there, or was it too late? Uh, I didn't even. I was like a like a shamed child. I didn't even make eye contact. I stayed away. Like <laughs> I would have just walked home if I could have. And then I had to hear about it for literally the entire day Sunday. Yeah, that's appropriate, right? Everybody had the appropriate response to what you were doing, except for you. All right, let's let's see what the uh, the folks want us to talk about today. Oh, of course. All right, so here were the choices that didn't get picked. Uh, Valentine's Day, if you're doing anything for the lovely. Uh, Super Bowl, whether talk about the game or not, which had the makings of being an instant classic and then went from being an instant classic to an instant uh, bullshit game. Or Rihanna's Super Bowl performance, which, by the way, was... I know there's a lot of haters out there. I'm just going to go out here and say this, that uh, it was pretty good. I mean, what did you want her to do? I don't remember her as ever being like an amazing act to see. I don't remember like that kind of being associated with her. But I didn't really watch any of it, honestly. I was watching Narudon on Netflix. Okay. Pretty good uh, show. Well, anyways, I we're s- just going to move on past Narud Narcan. I I did see like enough of the um, halftime performance to be like, oh, she's pregnant and she should probably not be like, I wonder how this is what I was wondering is like how many insurance form waivers did they have to sign to lift a pregnant woman up into the air at the Super Bowl? I mean, her performance was like, okay, like what is she going to do? Like she's not known for dancing or running around. I don't think that you're going to be Prince. I don't think that's ever going to be beat. I mean, I would argue that J-Lo and Shakira, that halftime show was just as good as Prince. And I know I'm getting a lot of eye rolls right now, but that was really, that was fun too. But you were watching that show. You weren't listening to that show. You were enjoying it for other reasons. What won overwhelmingly was uh, uh, the UFOs that apparently keep popping up and getting shot down. And we can call them UFOs. Because the government is calling them UFOs. Um, so without getting into politics, because I know I don't want to do that, uh, I'm going to ask you some off the wall questions about these things. Okay. Because okay. let's not let's not be serious about these, even though they could be a really serious thing. Uh, so first question: uh, Is this the start of an alien invasion? Probably not. And if it is, we're going to lose. Okay. Uh, second question, kind of rapid fire. Uh, have you ever heard of somebody named Lawn Chair Larry? No. 
But Lawn Chair Larry sounds like a man who has both capitalized and wasted his life. Well, Lawn Chair Larry, back in 1982, decided to strap uh, a bunch of balloons to a lawn chair. Oh, God. And it took, I and it took him pictures of this. Yeah. He went 16,000 feet in the air before he finally aborted, and uh, he had a parachute on, and he dropped a safety. Uh, for instance, the one that they just shot down over Michigan was described as an octagonal shape with strings hanging off of it. So, the question to you is, do you think this is Launch Hair Larry Part 2? It could be. I mean, I would think it's actually surprising that more people haven't tried to shoot themselves into space. <laughs> if you think about it, like, it's really surprising that we haven't done this more often, right? Like, Launch Hair Larry didn't seem like he had a massively sophisticated <laughs> operation there. Right? It's really surprising that this doesn't happen more often. I'm surprised okay. it doesn't happen once a day that someone doesn't try to launch themselves into space some some way. We got 7 billion people on this planet. There's not one person a day trying to launch themselves into space. That's shocking to me. Or at least trying to fly way up high. I'm really surprised it's not more common. Uh, so, a third question. Uh, when the uh, military says that they decommissioned something, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? That it's no longer being used? Wow, that was the most boring answer you could have given. What about well, the shit's done blowed up or the shit's fucking evaporated? No, because I don't believe in conspiracy theories. I'm not a conspiracy theory person. I don't think that we as a society are sophisticated enough to actually pull off any sort of conspiracy theories. And anyone who has ever been a project manager or supervised more than three people knows that groups of people cannot do anything without making it a big deal or letting secrets look out, right? Like you can't take care of two children walking to a park. You think you're going to be okay. able to keep UFOs a secret? I mean, listen, I, I, I think no, absolutely not. I try coming right. up with some, no. No, no, there's nothing. There, like no conspiracy theory is ever going to be true simply based because of logistics. It's just too difficult to keep anything a secret. There's no UFOs, man. It's probably just like China spying on us, which we don't like when they do it with balloons, but we're okay with it when they do it with TikTok. So, yes. <laughs> which is fascinating to me, right? I had I had somebody tell me today, you know, that it's not China spying on us because why the fuck would they send gigantic balloons over here? When they just tap into our iPhones. All right. So my, my final question to you is, if someone offered you the chance to be in one of these weather balloons, now it's going to get shot down, but you won't get hurt. Would you do it? I'm pretty sure that there's no possible way that them shooting down a balloon with a missile is not going to involve me getting hurt. I also have to say that I, th I, I think of uh, Lieutenant Pete Mitchell every time. We hear about one of our planes shooting, you know, one of our fighter, even though, yeah, one of our fighter jets shooting these things down. Like, I have to imagine that these Air Force pilots are just like, I'll get to shoot something down over American soil. Fuck yeah. Let's do it. That does have to be really exciting, honestly. Like, because they probably don't really get to do blow up a lot of stuff. Like, I bet they're excited as shit. Like, what do you got to do? You got to go shoot down a balloon. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no problem. Right, like they're like, who wants to do it? Like everybody's arm goes up. 
And once again, I, I just want to reiterate this to everybody. We're not really, I'm not, we're not making light of the situation, but you, you know, you got to find some humor in it because it's been the talk of America now for a week since the first one. I just don't know like why any country, not saying it's China or, or, or it could be us. Why would you fucking use balloons? I mean, there's so many other things you can use that are being used. Why would you send balloons? I mean, it's, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I think it's actually kind of brilliant if you think about it in the sense that like, well, if you send like a ship or a fighter jet, then people are going to be like, hey, wait a minute. Why are you sending this fighter jet? But it's like, it's just a balloon. <laughs> I think a balloon is the best thing to send. I think it would be better if they painted it like Snoopy or something. Oh my. That would be the best way to send a spy balloon is just have it look like a Macy's Day Parade character. Like, oh, it just got lost. Um, Are you ready for our top five? I am. These are fun, man. I'm excited. So this was the first one that we've done where we've done names. And I was like, ooh, you could make an argument for a lot of people to be number one. Like it was usually we've had like a pretty clear number one or number two. Like the top two have been pretty clear. But I don't think that – I think you can make an argument for a lot of people. But getting to it, our top five is top five Toms. Who's your number five? First of all, you you really think there's that many that could be number one? I I don't think there is. I think you could make a strong argument amongst three or four people that they could be number one. I mean, I I guess we'll see what you have to say. Uh, All right, so my number five, uh, and I'm only doing this because he started a facial hair movement in the 70s and 80s, but Tom Selleck. I think he's fallen off too much. I think at one point Tom Selleck was probably one of the most famous Toms. But now that Toms have become more popular, he has fallen down. He was a big fish in a small pond, but he's not a big fish in a big pond. I don't think Tom Selleck is even in the top 10 anymore. Oof. All right. What's your number five? Tom Petty. Okay. That... (laughs) I have Tom Petty as my number four. Okay. Yeah. Tom Petty's – he's – that's good music. I think a lot of – there's not a lot of people that would say that like, you know what? Tom Petty's not a great musician, especially people who have been a long, around a long time. Like a lot of acts that have been around a long time or were around a long time. Like Rolling Stones, people might say like, it's really not that great. Grateful Dead, people might not like it. But – Pretty much everybody has a Tom Petty song that they like. Yeah, I mean he's he's a when when you think of Toms in music, he's easily number one. I hesitate because there's another one that's close, but he's he's definitely in the top two. Not no questions asked. He's the only other one I know other than Tom Jones, and then you can get down there and like Tom Morello, who I think was a, I think he was. Rage Against the Machine, but he's not a Tom Petty. Who's the other Tom that you would have musically that would be in the list? Uh, Tom Jones. Yeah, Tom Jones. And then, you know, Tom Morello is, you know, if we're doing musicians, he's in the top five. Obviously, Tom's, but he doesn't make my uh, my top five Tom's of all time list. My number four is Tom Hardy. Uh, I hope you're not going where I think you're going with this. I... I I don't think Tom Hardy has enough years yet to be considered one of the greatest Toms of all time. I would say that about like Tom Hiddleston or Tom Holland. 
mm-hmm. Loki and Spider-Man. But I wouldn't say that about Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's been around for a long time. I think he's the second most, no, second, probably the third most famous movie Tom is Tom Hardy. And then I think if you're talking about just movie Toms, I think Tom Hiddleston and Tom Holland are both behind him. I think Tom Hiddleston might be ahead of Tom Holland. Well, I, uh man, I don't know. I think I, I really, I just think of all three of them, Hiddleston, Holland, and, and um, Hardy. They could just be one person to me. Like, <laughs> like they're kind of, I know they're different actors, but in terms of what they, popularity level, that's kind of where I think they're just all kind of just one right now. I would agree with that, but I would say that Tom Hardy is just a little bit above those other two. Is it just because of Batman or or his character in, in Batman? No, it's because the other ones really are synonymous with one character. Like when you think of Tom Holland, it's basically Spider-Man and not really that many others. And Tom Hiddleston is basically Loki and he's done some other movies, but you can't name what they are. Whereas Tom yeah. Hardy, you can be like, all right, he's got – he. you can name four or five things that he's been in where I don't think you can do that with the other Toms of that level. All right. So my number three – so this is where it gets extremely tough. Um, now that I'm actually thinking about the three of these Toms, I – yeah, they're all interchangeable. Um, but just to be completely different than than who I think your number one is – I'm going to put Tom Hanks as my number three. That's ridiculous. He's two at the very least. At the very least, Tom Hanks is number two. Very least. I just I just want to put this disclaimer out there. He's not a three. These these three Toms in my top three could easily be number one. But to be completely different than you, I'm putting Tom Hanks as my number three. My number three is Tom Brady, which I think that he's obviously very famous but if you get outside of that world, the sports world, he's not, I don't think. Football players aren't quite as famous as basketball players worldwide, right? That's what that's what shuts Brady down is if you're not into football, you probably don't know who he is on a worldwide scale. Well, he's my number two, so. Well, that would be wrong. <laughs> My number two is not who I actually think is number two. My number two I have is Tom Cruise. But that's only because I don't really like Tom Cruise. (laughs) I think that Tom Cruise is actually probably number one. And he's my number one. Yeah. My number one is Tom Hanks. But that's just personal preference because I can't put Tom Cruise as number one. But I would say Tom Cruise is probably the most famous Tom Cruise above Tom Hanks. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of Tom, it's, it's Tom Cruise easy. I mean, look what Top Gun just did, right? $2 billion or $3 billion or whatever it is. Um, I think Brady actually is... I, I, I think Brady could make an argument for number one. I think he's more world-renowned no. and world-known than we give him credit for. I don't think so because people don't care about football outside of the United States. I don't think like Australians... Or people are like our man Ben in Wales out there. Or people in Singapore know who Tom Brady is. But I think they know who Tom Cruise is. 
I would say though that of our five, even though Tom Cruise is number one on my list, or not, even though Tom Cruise is probably the most famous Tom, I don't think that he has the level of respect as the other Toms on that list. I don't think he's looked at in the same way. Um, I think Tom Hanks talking... is a better actor. Tom Brady's more accomplished in his field. I mean, I would argue to say that Tom Cruise is a bigger worldwide star than The Rock. And you know how I feel about The Rock. That would be the only that he would be the only person who's probably close to that. To close to rock level, I think. Yeah, but at that's least mainly right because now. of other parts of the world. Not necessarily because within the United States. I don't think Tom Cruise is actually that famous anymore or well regarded in the United States as he is in other places. We're kind of done with him here. Well, I mean, I think he got, and he did it to himself, uh, most of it, but I think he got eaten up and chewed out, you know, by the American media, especially when he was with uh, Katie Holmes and the whole Scientology thing and jumping off Oprah's couch, and he kind of went through a rough stretch there for a little bit. Yeah, he did. Uh, who's in your honorable mention? There's a lot more Toms than I thought that there was. I thought there was a lot of Michaels and Georges, but Tom's putting... Yeah, Putting so uh, I have Tom Jones, Tom Waite, uh, Tom Brokaw, and then I'm uh, – that's kind of it. Everything else gets a little – I don't know. Everything else gets a little weak to me, so I'm going to stick with them as my honorable mention. The only other Tom that I could think of that maybe you could make a little bit for an argument – I'm not saying that he would be in the top five. I don't think he'd be in the top ten, but I think he's pretty famous – that you might overlook is Tom Clancy. Ooh, wasn't even thinking of Tom Clancy. Right. Yeah, Tom Clancy's famous, but he's also somebody though that I don't actually even know what he looks like. <laughs> but that's. But yet you're still naming him as one of the most famous Toms ever. Yeah, right. But if you th- throw showed me a picture of Tom Clancy, I would have no idea. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe, leave us a rating or a review. We put up new episodes every Wednesday, and then we put up the video version of those episodes up on Thursday on our YouTube channel. Let us know who you think are some of the biggest and best, most famous Toms. I don't think you can really make a much of an argument against Tom Cruise as number one, but Toms are more stacked at the top, I think, than any other names that we've done, like George's, Michael's, and Jennifer. There's there's a little bit closer than some of the other ones, in my opinion. My greatest regret, not going to a Tom Petty concert. Go to concerts when you get a chance, man. They're fun. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.